My neighbor Karen and her manslave, aka her submissive husband, have made my life worse for years and years. My family and I were immigrants in poverty for years, and she made things go from bad to worse. She would throw bottles off her balcony at our car. She cut up our treadmill. She took all of our common space. She destroyed our recycling bins and our trash bins, and the list goes on for years. She comes up with the plan and then commands her husband to do it. So finally, I decided to take my revenge through a meticulously designed plan to systematically break her down to the point that she loses everything, including her own home and custody of her son. Here's what I did. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. I'm an only child born in the USA to older parents. They were both 45 when I was born, who immigrated from Venezuela in the 90s. When I was two, my dad was shot in the head. He lived for another 13 years, but the incident permanently damaged certain parts of his brain, and he was a completely different person for those last 13 years. He went from being the most loving, incredible, caring, compassionate person around to an aggressive, violent jerk who blew up over the smallest things, but only ever at his inner circle, me, my mother, or other close family. He always managed to keep his composure around strangers for fear of somebody calling the police and getting him arrested, but he would later let it all out on my mom and myself, admittedly, mostly me. After the shooting, he could never work again, and my mom was forced into a position of being the family's sole breadwinner. We lived in poverty for many, many years because the USA wouldn't recognize her college degree, and she couldn't afford to go to college again. So, she couldn't work in her field and had to start at the bottom of the ladder. Dad eventually died when I was 15 of issues related to his shooting. Now, when I was 7, my parents decided to move into a town with a better reputation for their schools than the one we were currently living in, so that I could attend a better school. They bought a house literally on the edge of town. Most of this town is incredibly expensive, but because on the other side of our street and across the town line, there's a big complex of government subsidized housing, our area is much cheaper. This is the house with the jerk neighbor. The house is a three family. For the last 16 years, we have owned and occupied the first floor, while the terrible neighbor lived on the second floor until recently. The third floor has been occupied by over 10 owners and tenants over the years. None have stayed more than three or four years, and some have stayed as little as a handful of months. Now, the second floor B, let's call her Karen, because obviously. She has a husband who we'll call Bill, and they have a young son, Henry. So this is where the story begins. When we moved in, Karen and Bill had already been here for a few short months. The three of us, us on the first floor, Karen and Bill on the second, and the original third floor's owners bought the house from the same crew who had bought it and turned it into a three-family, fixing it up in the process. Karen quickly showed her true colors as a bully. Over the years, there's been countless examples of nasty stuff that she's pulled. Her husband, Bill, is an immigrant himself, and he doesn't speak very good English. He's very submissive to her and does whatever she wants, but in front of other people, makes himself out to be physically dominant. In our first years here, they used to fight a lot, which we would hear regularly from downstairs. They would yell sometimes for hours, and occasionally it seems like things got violent. Henry was born maybe 10 years ago. He doesn't factor into this story until much later, but anyways, the point is, whatever Karen's done, she's always gotten away with. Here are a couple of the highlights. My mom always took pride in how well she took care of our trash bin and our recycling bin. Every month, she'd give them a quick rinse after that week's trash day, just to make sure they wouldn't develop a smell or a colony of bacteria wouldn't move in. Karen apparently wasn't so diligent, and one time, her recycling bin got really nasty. And I mean, really nasty. So, she just left it out back. The 
context being, behind the house isn't a backyard, it's just pavement with a parking spot designated for each unit, and began using our trash bin. Lo and behold, ours started to get nasty, and mom quickly went from spending three minutes rinsing it out every month to about 45 minutes scrubbing it with soap and water to clean it out. Eventually, we decided we'd had enough, and she and dad sent Karen and the third floor tenants of the time a polite but firm email that basically said, whoever started using our recycling bin, please stop and use your own. You never asked our permission and we take good care of it. And ever since you began using it, it's become disgusting. We knew it was Karen and Bill, but mom and dad figured it was more plight without a call out and they didn't want to start anything. Within a week, two things happened. Karen and Bill got a brand spanking new recycling bin and one week later, we found ours had been mysteriously destroyed. Someone took a knife to it and cut it to pieces. We had no way of knowing who it was, but we had a pretty good feeling we knew exactly who it was. Yes, we had to get a new one. Because we had no evidence of who did it though, my parents didn't say anything about it. Back when we could afford a car, we haven't had one since our first few years here, we used our parking space out back. Every time that Karen and Bill hosted a party, which back then was surprisingly frequent, they would toss their trash over their balcony into the general vicinity of the trash and recycling bins out back, which is literally right next to our designated parking space. Most of the dents we had on our car, an 88 Toyota, were from bottles thrown from the second floor balcony. We had windows break a couple times, same deal. Each time it happened, my parents would politely go upstairs, knock on Karen and Bill's door, and respectfully ask them to stop throwing stuff over the balcony because we know you don't mean it, but sometimes it accidentally hits our car. Each time they went and did that, Karen and Bill stopped, but they would do it again until they got caught during their next party. Again though, my parents never wanted to escalate the situation, so they never justified taking it further than knocking on our door and politely asking them to stop. This is another example of Karen's utterly terrible behavior, but it is also relevant for the revenge part of the story, so I'm putting it after this section. Our basement is shared between all three units. Each unit has a designated space boxed out, kind of like office cubicles, and there's some designated common area in between. Years ago, maybe eight or nine, Karen and Bill completely filled their designated basement cubicle, so they just started piling stuff all over the common area. Eventually, they developed this enormous pile of junk in front of Unit 1's, our unit, oil tank for heating. My mom and dad never said anything because it happened over a long period of time and they didn't want to start a fight. And as far as I know, none of the third floor folks ever said anything either. But it got to the point where she and her husband were taking up common space area that was easily twice the size of their designated cubicle. Now, I'll be the first to admit that for many years, my parents and I weren't great neighbors either. We didn't bully anyone, but due to my dad's condition, he could be triggered by seemingly anything and suddenly he'd be in a rage and we'd all be yelling. I grew up in that generally chaotic environment and yeah, there were several times when the police were called to our house for noise disturbances, but we kept to ourselves and we were nothing but polite and respectful to all of our neighbors, always. That said, you can imagine that our first priority was always my dad and his stability and we had enough on our hands with that so he and my mom always swallowed their pride and avoided doing anything to antagonize Karen. No matter how terrible her behavior got and believe me, there are plenty more stories on top of the ones I told. But after my dad died, I developed my own issues for a while with mental health. Growing up in a constantly chaotic, violent, aggressive environment took its toll on me. And for a while, I had deeply depressive tendencies. I struggled with these tendencies for years and eventually wound up graduating high school after eight years of attending classes in some form or another. Similar to when my dad was sick, I became my mother's top priority at that point. So again, Karen and Bill kept 
getting away with all of their nonsense. I got better though. Nowadays, I'm even off my psych meds. I got my act together and graduated high school, even college. I have my bachelor's degree and I'm doing some post-grad stuff for masters. Most of the way has been paid for by scholarships. Shout out to the absolutely remarkable book, Confessions of a Scholarship Winner. But I recently decided that as an adult now, and therefore as someone with a little more say in things around the house than when I was a kid, I had enough of watching Karen bully my parents, particularly my mother, for so many years. I wanted revenge. Phase one of my plan was to ease my way into the adult condo administration dialogue. I began helping out more around the house, as in around the common area parts of the house. I single-handedly redid the back porch's flooring. It sounds like more than it is. I just pulled out all the floorboards and nailed new ones in. I replaced both storm doors about six months apart when each one began having problems, different kinds of problems. It doesn't matter what they were. I also took care of some comparatively smaller things. I weed whacked out back for a couple hours, cut the grass out front a few times, and got up early so that I could beat everyone else to shoveling every time it snowed one winter. Not 1819, but 1718. I also began wheeling back everyone's recycling and trash bins after trash week every week, not just our own. After I did the first two things, each time I sent out an email to everyone in the condo to let them know that I had taken care of it. And all that I asked of the other two units was for them to reimburse me one third of the cost for materials on their timetable because of course I hadn't given them a heads up. So it was only fair that I allow them to pay me when they can. The smaller stuff from the last point, I obviously didn't need to announce anymore. The idea was just that over time, the neighbors would see me taking more and more initiative in things and being more active, which would go on to justify me participating more in intercondo politics. I also made a point to keep conversations to emails so that there would always be a written record of every interaction. Phase two of my plan pretty much ran concurrently to phase one, but had an entirely different purpose and was overall entirely different. I began gathering evidence of everything I could. I asked my mom to track down all the old emails she and my dad had exchanged with the neighbors, documenting many instances that Karen and Bill had pulled their nonsense. I went downstairs and took a video of Karen and Bill's stuff all over the common area, particularly emphasizing all the highly flammable wooden and cardboard stuff they had piled up in front of our oil tank. I dug up and poured over the deed to our apartment, specifically the sections that detailed the rules around the common areas and the limitations of our units as compared to the others and vice versa. To my utter joy, mom and dad never threw out that old recycling bin that Karen and or Bill had knifed up, apparently because they just never knew what to do with it and never wanted anyone to ask questions. Naturally, I dug it up and took plenty of photos. I did one other evidence gathering thing that needs a bit more explanation. Karen and Bill are awful parents. Mom and I regularly hear the things they do to Henry through the very thin ceiling we have here. I'm decidedly not going to go into detail because even though I changed his name, he's younger and I feel it would be disrespectful to do that to him. But let's just say it crosses the line. This is a topic I'm particularly sensitive about because I grew up in a situation that was bad myself. So believe me when I say this part, this is the most satisfying part of my revenge. Let's just say that every time I could hear that through the ceiling, I took out my phone and started recording until it stopped. Finally, phase three of my plan was basically to bait Karen and or Bill into a trap that I set that, as it turns out, would have humongous consequences for them. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Mom and I have this old treadmill that we got for free. It's in the kitchen, and lately we've come to the conclusion that it just takes up a little too much space. We both use it a little, but not enough to justify keeping it. She wanted to toss it out, but I argued hard to keep it around because I knew I could use it for this plan. It would be my only shot. Remember how I mentioned we haven't had a car for years? Well, eventually I convinced my mom to let me put the treadmill outside in our parking space out back. I bought a large tarp to cover it so it would be protected from the rain, and I I told her I'd start using it more if it was outside because it's nicer to do exercise in the fresh air. I sent out an email to Karen, CC to Bill, and to the current third floor folks, asking her to move all the things in front of our oil tank in the basement somewhere else. Despite the fact that those things had been there for many years, I justified addressing it now because I'm the one addressing it. And that's different from before because before I was a child, and now I'm an adult who actively participates in the intercondo dialogue. I asked her to because the way she currently had it set up, up is a safety hazard and I'm just following the rules. I further let her know that if she and Bill didn't take care of it within a handful of weeks that I would have no choice but to take care of it myself. In the same email, I let everyone know that I was putting our treadmill in our parking space out back so that if anyone had any trouble with getting into their spot, please let me know. The same day I sent out the email, I put the treadmill out back. Now, I figured nothing was going to change from all the other emails I had sent about matters regarding the condo's administration and nothing did. She and Bill never acknowledged anything. The current third floor guys didn't want anything to do with going up against Karen, so he just thanked me for the heads up about the treadmill and said nothing else. It's important to note here that my real reason for mentioning the treadmill in that email wasn't in case anyone had any trouble getting into their parking spot. Needless to say, sure, a treadmill in the kitchen is a pretty big and obnoxious thing, but a treadmill off to the side of an automobile parking space isn't really big at all. Plus, I placed it in such a way that it wasn't in anyone's way, giving everyone ample room to maneuver around. It was just there, off to the side. The reason I mentioned the treadmill in that email was to alert her to its presence and perhaps associate it in her mind with my request for her to move all of her stuff in the basement. Their time was up. So one night I got up around 1am when everyone else was asleep so nobody would hear me. I went downstairs to move their stuff. I can't explain to you how much I enjoyed this. I bought a GoPro, strapped it to my noggin, and carefully recorded the entire hour and a half of moving their stuff around. I took the enormous pile of junk in front of my mom and I's oil tank and found a way to fit all of it into their designated storage cubicle. In the end, it was packed. I have mild OCD and I nearly exploded at the end from how well organized physically everything was so that everything was neatly packed together and all the space was used at maximum efficiency. It was glorious. Packed from floor to ceiling and almost from wall to wall all around. If you can just imagine one massive near perfect rectangular 
rectangular prism of junk. That's what I had created. It was a masterpiece. I was so proud. On the side the door was on, there was enough space to walk to either wall, but you couldn't move into it anywhere. I got back upstairs to our apartment and I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I was beyond excited. I wound up watching Infinity War to prepare for Ant-Man and the Wasp's then upcoming release. Sure enough, Karen and Bill took the bait. I must have been at school or work when they first discovered the basement because I never heard a thing about it. In hindsight, it was probably best that I was out, even though I would have savored those angry shrieks like nothing ever before. In any case, within a few days, we discovered our treadmill destroyed. Similarly to the recycling bin of years past, it had been knifed up. I can imagine they probably wanted to straight up take a hammer to it, but they didn't want to make much noise. So they wound up just tearing the thing apart with a really big and sharp knife. They had seen we were using it, and aside from our trash and recycling bins, it was our only property that they had access to at that point. Several years back, I filled up the rest of the wall of our basement cubicle and installed a door with a lock, so our cubicle is now sealed off to everyone else, but the others are open and anyone can enter. Plus, I can imagine destroying a $1,000 treadmill is infinitely more tempting than a trash or recycling bin, so they went for it in retaliation for my stunt in the basement. After moving their stuff in the basement, I started timing my treadmill use differently so that I wouldn't run into them. As soon as I saw it, after they destroyed it, I went straight to the camera I had set up in the pantry. It caught the whole thing. In true fashion of their relationship, Bill brandished an enormous knife and single-handedly destroyed the whole thing himself, while she stood next to him and seemingly ordered him to do it. She basically kept pointing around at all the parts she wanted him to cut up. With that in hand, I called the police. I reported the incident and told them my mother and I felt threatened by their presence and we filed a restraining order against both Karen and Bill with the police the same day. I turned over all the evidence I had gathered of all their stuff over the years, and I also turned over all the audio clips I had of Karen and Bill terrorizing Henry. I figured since it was all audio and no video, it wouldn't be enough to get him out of their care, but maybe it would at least get the Department of Children and Families involved. Karen and Bill immediately claimed that I had broken a bunch of their stuff while moving it around in the basement, things that they had no doubt broken themselves. So, I offered my GoPro recordings as proof that I had not, in fact, broken any of their stuff while moving it at all. The restraining order a person is allowed to file with a police report is always temporary, but you can always petition the court to extend it. Once mom and I did that, it was granted. At that point, Karen and Bill hadn't been legally allowed to go back home for about a week, and since it became a longer-term restraining order, they were basically not going to be allowed to live in their own home for several years. So, they made the obvious choice to sell the house and move elsewhere. Needless to say, selling a house you're not allowed to be near is a difficult task, and moving all of your stuff out of said house is even more difficult, particularly when you have so much of it. They wound up coordinating the entire house's sale from afar, with their realtor being the only person who came around to show the house. Once it was time for them to move, some relatives of theirs came around and packed everything up and loaded it onto a truck. Also, I was right. Based on my recordings alone, Henry wasn't taken from their custody, but DFC did get involved. I heard from their family that came around to pack up their stuff though that Karen and Bill did wind up losing custody of him. They didn't say much as to why but they basically implied that their terrorizing of Henry ramped up a lot after everything went down between me and Karen and Bill which is the only part I feel guilty about but in the end I hope this is a situation where the end justifies the means at which point DFC was already sniffing around so they wound up losing custody of him anyways. I have no idea where Henry wound up but wherever he is 
is I obviously have nothing against him, and I hope he winds up in a much better situation than he was. Finally, I will say for two such inordinately obtuse and disgusting human beings, they had surprisingly decent family members. The few times I ran into them and made small talk, when they were around, they were pretty apologetic about the whole thing. I got the impression that this isn't the first time they're apologizing on Karen and Bill's behalf. I hope Henry is taken in by one of them and not chucked into the foster system. Here's hoping, kid. If we jump into the future, there is an update. Holy moly, this is great. Karen lost her job, or at least she's not working where she had been anymore. I assume she was fired, or at least that it had something to do with what went down, but I actually don't have a way of knowing. I got curious, though, after posting this, because I remembered she worked as a guidance counselor at a school a few towns away, and I figured if the school had found out that the DFC took her kid, they might not have wanted her there anymore, and I may have been right. I got curious, so I asked a friend to ring the school secretary and asked to be transferred to the guidance department, where they asked for Karen's desk. She, my friend and the guidance secretary, just said matter-of-factly, I'm sorry, that staff member is no longer employed here. And that was that. Seeing as all of this went down at the end of the 17-18 school year, I'm guessing they just replaced her at the beginning of this school year. The school's website lists one of the guidance counselors as having started working there this school year. Of course, I have no real way to know if she was fired, nor even if her leaving that position had anything to do with me and my revenge. But it seems like very odd timing, if there was no correlation. So, was I the jerk for going to the lengths that I went to get Karen to lose her house? This is one of those revenge plans that was pretty unusual because of how meticulous and precise the planning that went into this was. It's like the original poster here pretty much thought of every possible thing that could go wrong and tried to have a contingency plan in case that it did. For example, the GoPro strapped to the OP's head because the OP knew inevitably they would try to claim that the OP broke their stuff in the move. And that was masterfully parried way in advance by having this GoPro setup already ready to go. There's even some funny elements of an inception type of thinking where in the email the OP tries to associate the treadmill with their overflow of stuff in the basement. I guess hoping there would be some sort of association and there was because when they were angry about their stuff being moved around, they look at the bottom of the email and guess what? My treadmill is in the parking space. They just didn't realize that they were falling for the bait because the entire thing was recorded. If you look at this from a bird's eye view, it might sound like it's pretty straightforward, but you got to remember all of the clever details that led to that outcome. The one thing that makes my stomach turn is the whole situation with their son, Henry. I know it's been a little while since the time frame that this all took place in, but I'm hoping that the OP's actions ultimately did put Henry in a less dangerous position than the one that he was in with Karen and Bill. Because no one, nowhere should have to grow up like that. So let me know how you guys see this whole revenge. Do you think it was going too far or do you think it was just right? Jerk or not a jerk and why? When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time.